Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good evening. This is the Tuesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. I'm Sean Gentilly. Custance isn't here. I think he's somewhere at an undisclosed location in Michigan, but I, I could be I could be wrong about that. In his place, we have the superior Michigander. Went to a real college. All that fun stuff. Max Boltman, prospects guy, Detroit Red Wings beat writer. It's a big week for you in one on one one element of the job, but as far as the Red Wings are concerned, dude, um, we'll come in hot here. What's going on with the coach situation? They they, they don't have one, and they're they're certainly not the only team that's that that that's the case for. But we're going on several weeks without them making a decision. So what's what's new? Any movement? Uh, well, I, I think the well the clock is certainly ticking, and I think it, it started ticking louder once the Stanley Cup ended, and, and once a couple of uh, Tampa assistants became. Uh, more readily available, so I'm I am now expecting it to be sooner here. Um, Steve Eisman kind of set like a soft target yeah. of having it done before the draft, and I assume he doesn't mean like the day before the draft. So my guess is it it will be in the next couple of days here, uh, and I I do think it will be one of the two Tampa assistants, but they do a pretty good job of keeping stuff tight, and it would obviously a, a curveball wouldn't totally stun me here, but that's what I think is going to happen. Um, but we'll see. I mean, maybe they'll go the player coach route. You never know. Who would be the guy? Probably like Sam Gagne they, they, or something, they got, right? They got rid of they got rid of all their old. I guess it will be Sam Gagne. Yeah, that's He's another one. Agent, Sam Gagne though. is my. Yeah, just bring him back. Whatever, come back for cheap. Sam Gagne is my dude of the week. I think this happens. I've noticed this happens. Uh, every show now, where there's one guy who comes up, and I'm like, oh yeah, he's old now. <laughs> and that's that's. <laughs> That's Sam Kanye. It's just like a, it's just a reminder of how old I, I am getting uh, myself. Did I? Okay. So all, all the Islanders stuff, right? I know that everybody had Iserman linked to Lane Lambert because yeah. they're, they played together. You know, there was speculation that Trot, that Trotz maybe was an option in Detroit, obviously, you know, we found out a couple of days ago that he's going to at least take the year off and cash those Islanders checks and rebuild after 25 years behind a bench. Who can, who can blame him for that? But, do you think if one of those guys would have been a more viable option that that's that that's a route Eiserman would have taken, or was this always the way it was going to go? I, I think it's possible that it, it could have gone the other way. Now, the the main things that he when he spoke publicly, which was brief and at the very beginning of the off season about it, so we didn't hear the updates. Yeah, it was but, it was it was six it was six months ago, and he talked for ninety seconds. Yeah, yeah but uh, the, the the things that resonated in my head were number one. He wanted someone who could help them improve their team defense. And I think he went on to do a radio interview where he really preached about kind of the value of a demanding coach. 
Uh, but he also kind of let on that he really values familiarity in, in that role. Like he wants someone who knows how he operates and who he has that familiarity with. And that I think always did point toward whether it was one of these two Tampa assistants, Jeff Halpern or Derek Lalonde, um, or to the AHL coach for Tampa Bay uh, in Syracuse, Benoit Gru. Um, those those guys, once he said that, all kind of jumped up, I think, the, the, the public consciousness side. Uh, and Lambert mm-hmm. had the advantage of uh, being Steve Eisman's former roommate as a player. So there's a, enough familiarity, I think, there to check that box. But just I those knew, two teams. I knew they like were they, tight. I knew they were tight. I don't think I realized they had been roommates. Yeah. I, I don't know how God. long it lasted, but yeah, like uh, I remember we went to the, to, to the Island a couple years back. Um, me and the free press writer, Helene St. James, and we had like, mm-hmm. we had like consecutive one-on-ones with Lane Lambert. And I was like, all right, we're both thinking the same way here and we'll, we'll see what this <laughs> is about. And uh, no, it, it was good. But uh, no, I, I think first of all, I, it was no one could have predicted at that time that that Barry Trotz was going to leave, you know, New York at that at that point. That to me was the most shocking one. I know you were less surprised by Bruce Cassidy than the public was, but uh, those were the two curveballs. But when it comes back to being the two assistant coaches, for me at least, I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, if, if it ends up being one of those two guys, uh, I don't think anyone's going to say, "Oh no, what, 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 how, where did this come from?" It's you know, they're, they're both coaches, Steve Eiserman hired before so it would make sense if he were to hire one of them again i think the red wings are one of those teams where i mean it's a sneaky important off season for them and i think a lot of stuff league-wide hinges on them whether it's the coaches whether it's the coach hiring thing which has played out over the last few weeks or whether or really whether it's what they do with tyler bertuzzi i think that's i think he's an interesting his situation is interesting i know craig's kind of alluded to this before so i don't know if there's any i mean i look we we know what a vault that organization is and how, how how tough it is to get anything out of them at all. But is there, as, as it stands for you, Maxi on June 28th, like what's the vibe surrounding Tyler Bertuzzi and you know, his, his future there. You're going to have one of your commenters. You're, you're stealing their thunder. I, I went through and I looked through the comments at the end. This is, this oh, is really? almost word I for see- word. It's stealing true? valor. I forget whose it was. It's one Dude, of the Michaels. I don't. I, I you know this. Yeah, it's pro- probably probably Michael K. You know this. You've seen it so <laughs> many times. Whenever Craig, whenever Craig bails on me, which happens every third show, I feel like at this point, I don't read those things before <laughs> they're on my phone and we're recording. Like you I have no Ron idea what, any, what, an, what anybody said. Absolutely. I mean, Craig's the king of the Ron Burgundy because he like he'd read. You know. He'd read nasty things about his about his kids if someone tucked <laughs> him into the ad reads. Like he's 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 that far gone. But no, I I don't I don't know. It, it's it's the obvious question though. No, it the is. Red it, Wings it are really interesting. Is. They're they're it they're is. interesting and they're relevant in a way. This season that they haven't been in a while. So yeah, I mean, sorry. I I want I want to know what's up with Tyler Bertuzzi because it has like some league wide some league wide. Uh, well, it's perfect because I will just respond by stealing the valor of the reply to Michael <laughs> K's comment. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Which was if they're going to get a bunch for him, sure. Like you know that, that's fine. I mean, yeah. m- my thing with this whole situation is you you can't trade every good player forever, but you also can't get so locked into okay time to go that you start looking, you know, good deals in the face. And at the end of the day, he's still 27. He's got one year on his deal. I think they could get an extension done. I mean, they got a whole year to do it. Um, but they have a history of going to arbitration, which doesn't usually pretend good things. They, they get, they have done a contract since then. So it's not like that's the most recent contract on the books. 
but he's also got the back surgery in in the log. And so if you're if you're going to look at all those things and say how does this usually happen for a team that is not particularly close to the playoffs, it usually doesn't in a trade. And it would not surprise me if that ends here. And I don't think they should rule it out. But I also know having seen the way that the team reacted to him scoring his 30th goal last year. Did you see this clip when he scores his 30th with like 10 seconds left in the season? Yeah. Like he's really well liked in that locker room. Yeah. Uh, He plays the way that they, now they're going to have a new coach, but he plays the way that I think they, whoever the new coach is, is going to want them to play. Um, And he's, you know, one of their longest tenured guys and he's really good. He's a 30 goal scorer. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, (laughs) approached 70 points last season. Um, even with missing some pretty significant time, like you can't and just blends, and he and he blends with guys in the roster. Like yeah. you can't you can't discount that either, right? Like whether whether he's playing with Luke, whether he's playing with Raymond or whether he's playing with Larkin. I mean, that's that counts for that counts for something. You're gonna need you're gonna need to win games at some point. Need to win games, and and they don't have a lot of guys who can do everything he can do. Which like you know, the, okay, you've got Raymond, you got Verona, you're finally getting some of these guys who can really put the the high end offense you know, up for you, but he's still one of those guys who can go into a corner and, and win a battle or just take a puck off somebody. And at some point you have to have guys who can do that and you have to have them on pretty much every line. Ideally you've got, you know, Killorn and Palat and Stamkos and Point, Sorelli who, who do both. They put up offense and they do those things, but you got to have guys who can at minimum do that. I agree with the commenter to Michael K. I I think it was who said, uh, if the if the offer is really impressive, they should do it. But if not, they should just pay him. And you know, the term I think is the interesting question there. Like, how much term can you give a guy who's, who's got the back surgery on the books? But I don't think you're treating this like you're treating most of the other one year left on the deal situations. Where I I cert- I actually don't think you can go into. I wouldn't. Eiserman's done it before with guys. I wouldn't go into this season without resolution on him. I wouldn't go in where he's going to be a pending UFA at the deadline. I, I think you either get the extension done or you, or you deal them. But I don't I don't think you want to take this one down to, you know, February 20th or whatever it is. So, what, we got nine days until that really hits, I mean, until we're going to have a, kind of our answer one way or the other. That's, that, that seems like a draft deal. More than you think so? Else. Yeah, I could see that. It could also be... You would you would imagine. I mean, that's the, that's just whatever. That's pure speculation on, on my part. But a lot of them have been around that, there. If... if if he moves, that seems like a draft day deal, doesn't it? Probably pre-free agency, right? Because then you're, you're mm, getting yeah. you want it before teams start filling up their books. If you're going to do oh, it, for sure, for sure. Um, but like you know, the, the main pieces don't have to be 2022 picks, you know, especially you know 2023 draft is is being mm-hmm. uh, hyped up a lot, and you could see that. But yeah, that. couple couple weeks, I think we should hopefully know one way or the other, right? 2023 draft is good now, and now and then we're going to spend. 11 or 12 months picking a destroying Connor Bedard and the 2024 kid will be a star. <laughs> I don't know. I heard it. I heard he stinks. We'll see. <laughs> Look, we have, we have a bunch of league wide stuff that we're going to touch with our guest, Sean Shapiro. I should have introduced him at the start of it, but I didn't because I'm an amateur. Uh, he covers bit business, obviously for us, the, the, the business of hockey uh, for the athletic. And we're going to touch on TV stuff and cap stuff and some, and some league wide stuff. I don't know if there's anything else we need to say about the Avs clinching the Stanley Cup a couple of days ago. I feel like it was not anticlimactic because that was an entertaining enough game. But if, I don't know if you feel this way, dude. But after 
four games of that, I think I'd kind of my my thinking had shifted into like, all right, this seem it seems pretty unlikely that this team's gonna lose three consecutive games here. Like it's time to it's time to turn towards the offseason. But I don't know. Like you you were I mean you're you're watching just just like anything else. What was there any moment in game five there or, or game six where where you were like, okay, this maybe this isn't gonna work out for Colorado. I feel like there was a, there was a, there was a stretch at the start of that last game where I was like, are they gonna because I mean, if if they choke in Game Six, everything's on the table for Game Seven. But early on, early on, I feel like that was on the table. But man, that's just one of the great, one of the great finishing kicks that we saw uh, from from them in the in the third period to bring it home, huh? Well, and that was always the the thing about you know when, when they went and won Game Five in Colorado, they come back to Tampa and they they take an early lead, <laughs> and at that point. Mm-hmm. If you, if, you know, Tampa's great at closing out a lead. That's that's the thing where you can't question them. Yeah. And if they get that done, let, let's say that game's a one zero, which they've done plenty in in big games over yeah. the years, and they they're taking that back to seven. At that point, I think Colorado does get really in their heads, and they they talked after the game on the ice in, in all those mm-hmm. interviews about the pressure that they had felt to to get it done in Denver on on that game five day. You know, they talked about how they felt like they they approached it better mm-hmm. in game six. Do you think they're saying the same thing though? If they lose that game, do you think they're like, yeah, but we, we're we're improving now. Now it'll get better for Game Seven. I think uh, it goes a, the complete that, other way. That's a hundred percent. That is result dependent. Yes, right. And of co- of course, that's I, like they ended up being honest. Like we got the honest reaction from them, which is like, yeah, basically, yeah, we needed to, we needed to get this done, or else the collar was going to tighten up, right? Yeah, like that's the way it worked. That's the way they actually felt, and they were free to say that after it was all said and done versus versus giving the you know the 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 safe pc boring answer which is no no we're we're we feel good about the spot we're in we're going back home we like the team we have blah blah but at the end of the day man game 7 would have been Darcy Kemper versus Andre Vasilevsky and it and you it's know, Darcy I, Kemper having I, I hate trying to uh, you know I, he's a really good goalie and he he gets compared to Vasilevsky throughout this series to the point that I think it, it is easy to lose sight of that but you yeah. have Darcy Kemper coming off a game in that scenario where he's just given up one goal and lost. You've told him you have no margin for error and there might be only one or two goalies in the league you can tell that to and it doesn't rattle them. And they're both just played in the Eastern Conference final. It was a bizarre series for him, right? Because I think he basically did what he needed to do. But the goals that he let up were just like... Like like the, the, first, one, the, first, one on, uh, the first one in game six. You know, yeah, it's Steven Sam close alone in the slot, but like the route that the route that he took to scoring that goal, you're like, what's what's Kemper doing there? So I so I think there is that element, right, where you're like, all right, they needed to they, they needed to close this out because whether it's Darcy Kemper or any other goal, any other goalie on earth, including Sean Shapiro, is is in the Zoom room right now. I don't think you want them going against. I don't think you want them going against Andre Vasilevsky. Shapiro's going to stay silent here, but he's he's actually shaking his head. He, he, he's he a goalie, so he's got so he says, many takes up, about this, and it's killing him to put, hold them in. Put me up against Andre Vasilevsky. <laughs> I wanted to talk. Okay, so I, I wanted to talk about the Hall of Fame. Wait, hold on. I want. I, I need to confess something first. I put mm-hmm. hand up in the live blog in game. I don't know which game. I think it was game three. I called for them to sit Kemper for Franco. <laughs> I was close. I dude, I took I took a bunch of crap on Twitter because I forget I forget which goal it was, but I gave the old like, I don't know how many more of those you can 
you can uh, Fred you can let Darcy Kemper give was up. Was really and, good I when mean, he was in, and at the time Kemper had like a sub nine hundred in the playoffs, and he he's a really good goalie. It doesn't change that, but it is it's hot hand season, and you had an undefeated goalie who I think has always been a little underrated in Franco just sitting there waiting to come in. But I was wrong, obviously. But who also hadn't missed time early yeah. in the playoffs for an eye for an eye injury, which I'm told is a pretty important thing for for goaltenders. All right, I wanted to move on to to the Hall of Fame real quick. We have another goalie making it in. I feel like Roberto Luongo is getting lost in the shuffle here a bit because people are talking about the Twins and people are talking about Daniel Alfredson because I think he was sort of the the borderline guy to make it in. That's all well and good. What I wanted to address in one way or another here is whatever is happening in the women's wing of the Hockey Hall of Fame. They get two spots devoted to to women each year which is good that's a that's a decent starting point where theoretically especially after you know we're in year 12 of women actually being inducted so uh, the thinking there is like all right if if we you know at least if we give them a, a cap of 2 they'll actually they'll actually use the allotted number to fill out you know the to to make up for the fact that you know Women have only been inducted since since 2010. What we saw yesterday was Rika Salonen, who was a, who was a, a star center for the Finnish national team for years and years and years. Great player, certainly deserving. The second spot was not used, which is insane because you have Carolyn Ouellette, who is the third all-time leading scorer in the history of the Canadian women's team, which... You know, I know we're not supposed to we're not supposed to talk about the Canadian national team here, but we'll we'll make a quick quick exception here. That alone should have made it a no brainer for fourteen out of eighteen people on that on that committee to give her the second seat. Like, if you're not electing the third all time scorer in the history of the Canadian women's national team, like, what's the point in voting women in at all in the first place? And that's to say nothing for. Jen Botterill and Julie Chu and all these other deserving deserving women who, you know, the 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 backlog is building up here, and it's about to get a lot more complicated in in the next few years. Whenever you know Jocelyn, whenever the you know whenever who, whoever else go go down the list, Shannon Sabados, like go down the list of of all these standout standout players. Megan Duggan also not inducted this year. For whatever reason, and you can attribute it to a, to a lot of things. Maybe it's just like a disagreement over over who gets a second chair in in a given year. But for whatever reason, they are not doing this, and it doesn't make any sense because if if nothing else, Carolyn Ouellette gets in. It's a no brainer. It's like looking. It's like looking at a, at a at a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's like looking at Ron Francis or someone like that who's just like an all time statistical star compiler team success every everything you want and for whatever reason making them wait there's no there's no logic in place and it's and it's it's ridiculous i think i think your theory is the best theory that you know if, if you're you get two spots and you got 10 people for them like the number of permutations that you need to get to 14 is probably tricky uh mm-hmm. i don't know do we want to just openly advocate for it because i'm fine with it can we just can people just collude on this and right these wrongs so that all the top 15 women's players of all time can get in? Because this shouldn't be something that has to get, you know, procedured into oblivion here. There's maybe 
figure it out in the next couple of years where you have like a class or a, where you have like a mandatory class of five that makes in because we've seen it happen in ha- in Hall of Fames for other sports where it can snowball on you pretty quickly. And yeah. It happened in baseball because of all the steroid guys and it happened. It's happening in the past. It's happened in the past with the NFL because of how because of just statistical changes. So nobody knows how to vote for wide receivers now because of like the explosion and in that in in their in their statistics over the last however many years on and on it happens everywhere but you need to address it in a real way before it gets out of hand and that is the point we're getting at with with the you know with the the women's vote because we have a whole generation of really great american and canadian players who are extremely accomplished uh that are about to come due here and they need to get it figured out and step one is figuring out a way to get Karen Ouellette into the Hall of Fame. It should be it should be a no brainer. It shouldn't be debated. I don't understand what happened yesterday. And we, Max, you were you were on that on that Hall of Fame. So yeah. Shapiro, we we did that Hall of Fame that mock Hall of Fame thing. You know, is it hard? Yeah, it should be hard around the margins. It should be hard whether you're deciding whether to vote for Henrik Zetterberg or Rod Brindamore. Like those are the tough decisions. But whenever you have an all-time great no-brainer, like don't make it more difficult than it needs to be. You're going to have problems elsewhere. Like take the tap-ins when you have them. And I think yesterday was an instance of of uh, of them failing to do that. You almost need like a founding member push here, kind of thing, because it is still like the earlier days of of women's hockey, like relative to to the to the men that are in the hockey hall. You almost need to just kind of have the the governing body say you guys are in, and, and then you could vote on the rest. But like, we can't have the the backlog. That, like you said, it's going to snowball because you already have decisions where no brainers. There's not a space on the ballot for a no brainer. So it's yeah. either that, or it's like the voters are going to have to all call each other and say, okay, is this the Willette year? Is this the Bottero year? Is this the Marie Philippe Poulain year? For, so on uh, right. to get it right. Otherwise, you're going to crowd this, and, and it's going to be really hard to get those perfect combinations to fourteen. Yeah, and at some point, you know, the voting body will be more representative and more and more diverse and, you know, for whether you're having stakeholders in the women's game or or former players or or, or whatever. That's that's a long tail goal because these folks who are on the committee now, they hold on to these positions, they've earned them in one way or another. Like the turnover doesn't happen all that quickly. So if if you want there to be more women that are involved with the process or more women's game you know, stakeholders involved with the process. Fine. That can happen. That can happen down the line. In the meantime, take the obvious ones. Don't overcomplicate this. And I think, like I said, we're on the verge of, of seeing, of seeing, seeing it kind of spit out of control. If let can't get in, then what kind of qualifications are, are you looking for? So congratulations, to everybody who got in. It, it, it is a fun class. It's a fun class. I think, I think Max for, for guys kind of in our, in our age group, right? Cause you, you see Luongo and you see the Sedines and those are, the, those are folks that kind of bridge the gap for us. I think, you know, from being fans and into doing it professionally. So that's all well and good. That's fun. But you know, there's work to be done too. And I, I think yesterday was a good reminder of that. All right. Anything else from you? No, I think we've, uh, I think we've let Sean sizzle long yeah. enough. I think he's ready. That's fine. That's fine. Let's, let's bring it Shapiro. So we are back with Sean Shapiro, who covers the business of the NHL 
NHL business writer. What's like the preferred, like when you introduce, introduce yourself to people, like what do you, what, how do you describe um, your job? I mean, it's, I just kind of say I, I cover the business of hockey, I guess mm-hmm. is kind of where it goes. Um, I don't know. The role is the yeah, roles. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to specify yeah. the NHL. The, that was, those, those two. The roles evolved. I mean, no one had this job. Mm-hmm. No one had the job before I did. So I guess I get to decide what the job is. So <laughs> industry trailblazer, Sean Shapiro. <laughs> I like that. I think I like part that. of the, part of the, <laughs> yeah, right. Part of the fun, part of the fun of that last segment was we had to keep you on ice while we're talking about goalies and talking about the hockey hall debate, which I know that's something you have takes on. You, you raised, a really interesting point over the Carolyn Lett thing whenever whenever we were BSing uh, before we before we, re- we recorded here, right? The bu- just the procedural element yeah. with hockey. Yeah, because we've done this. I I know I know mm-hmm. you've been on Max. Have you done? You've been part of the the mock one too, right? I think that we yes, we've done, I, I've done two I of them. All, I think all three of all three yeah. of us were on the so, last one. I believe. Yeah. The issue. I mean, there's a lot of issues with the Hockey Hall of Fame selection committee and everything, and it all needs to be all due respect to Eric, who has hosted our thing rather well, but it completely needs to be ripped down and revamped on, on multiple fronts. But one issue is we have no idea if Ouellette was even nominated, right? Because we you go into this thing and you can only nominate one person and we make this whole big deal about like, oh, well, uh, uh, Burke's on the committee, and so he could only nominate one of the Sedines. So someone had to make sure they nominated another Sedine. Did anyone even think to nominate Ouellette? So, like, did she? It's it's not even like we don't even. And since they signed this ridiculous disclaimer of "oh, we'll never talk about it," we have no idea. We have no idea of what names were even nominated. Like everyone says, like, "oh, did McGillmy?" Like, where was the discussion on McGillmy? Like. There's a reality where all 18 people said, you know what? It's a weird time. I'm not going to be the person that even nominates a Russian guy for this conversation this, mm. this time of year. And he may have never even been discussed. So, like, we don't get anything at all. And to me, like, if I'm looking from the outside and trying to, like, detective an answer I'll never get when it comes to Ouellette, my simple answer is, like, you know what? No one ever thought to even nominate her because that's the only way she wouldn't get 14 of 18 votes. Like that's that's my working theory on this. I honestly hadn't I hadn't even that hadn't crossed my mind. That's I think that's the best explanation of what happened because once you see her on the ballot yeah. or the or the final ballot, like oh yeah, if she yeah. There, there's no of course there's no way in my mind where she was on the ballot and, and didn't and get didn't in. get it. So like I, I just yeah. I, I have to assume that this is 18 people, some not knowing anything about women's hockey, some mm-hmm. many some. Some deciding, oh, well, you know what? Someone else is going to nominate a woman's player. And, and essentially, no one took the time to even nominate her. And I th- that's, that's, that's my working theory of what happened. And we'll never be able to prove that right or wrong since, as we've been told multiple times, they sign a NDA or whatever. So we'll never know exactly what happened. But I'm going with that. Because her profile is such, yeah, where you would think you can easily imagine, you know, if you're Brian Burke or... Kami Granado or or whoever you're saying like so of course somebody's gonna nominate her like of course somebody's gonna gonna nominate Car- Carolyn Ouellette everyone just leaves it up to the other person and then it actually then it actually doesn't happen it's a fascinating psychological exercise and it's an insane thing like it it is it, this is not something you see from other halls of fame like if you're eligible you're eligible there shouldn't be that extra barrier where it takes like a nomination to 
to br- to yeah. bring them to the fore. Like if you're if you want to use your allotted time to argue for person X, so be it. But there shouldn't be that barrier of entry to the actual discussion either. I mean, we'll never once again, as we said, the entire thing is issues. But like mm-hmm. when it comes to the Baseball Hall of Fame, it's not like someone has to be nominated right. to get in. They, get the they just send out a list. They get the they ballot. They just get a ballot. Like, like, why is that not the case with the Hockey Hall of Fame? Why is there not just a ballot of, hey, here's the people eligible and then you vote like that's to me that. And you guys have seen you guys have seen the baseball hall ballots, too. Like, yeah, there's never been a, a they go so granular and go so far down the list. There is never it has never been a problem where a person has been hasn't been on the ballot that should have been. If you're even yeah. if there's my gosh, like I it's it's a fun thing every year where you see like what it's like, hey, let's remember some guys because they're on the because they're on the hall ballot yeah. this year. They're, that's never yeah. a problem either. I'm not surprised that we yeah. even know who the inductors are, honestly, yeah. for as secretive for as secretive as they are, and and for as you know, you mentioned the NDA that they have, or, or, or the. Or I wonder. I wonder how much. I wonder how much uh, Eric the Hatchek gets like guys like uh, calling him names in those meetings since he has given us as much as he's given. Oh, totally right, totally. Because like the only reason anyone knows how it is works because of, is because is because, of because Eric, Eric has. Uh-huh. Because of Eric, like, <laughs> I wonder if they're like, I wonder if like they all curse to Hatchek when they open their meetings and everything. Because like I, I mean, I I remember the first the first one or two of those mock induction things that we did. Like, I wasn't involved with it because I was still I was still with the with the Pittsburgh group. So I was reading that like, oh, whoa, that's how it that's how it works. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, yeah. So whatever, man, just fix it. What do you think of What do you think about Luongo? You're a goalie. Is that I mean? Is he's a he's a no he's a no brainer first ballot guy, right? Like. He should, I mean, he should be in. I think the issue just becomes there's all these other goalies that shouldn't be in. In the past, when we've done this exercise, I've argued for the fact that Mike Vernon should be in the Hall of Fame. And the fact Mike Vernon's not in the Hall of Fame is didn't an you, issue that kind didn't, of... Didn't you nominate Mike Vernon? Like, wasn't he your... What, I, wasn't he the guy, wasn't yeah, he the guy he was, you yeah. for when, when we did that? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think Vernon should be in the Hall of Fame. And Vernon's a guy who, if you're not going to put Mike Vernon in the Hall of Fame, you start to create way too high of a barrier for any goalie that can get into the hall of fame. And, and I think one of the other issues with goaltending becomes we use different, like statistical barometer. I don't think save everyone uses the same so statistical. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 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 Save percentage. And I, and I think people forget caught up in what is, um, get caught up in other, like, like, um, I remember I once had a conversation with Ben Bishop, not about like actual, not about like barometers for goaltenders where it's like, we think about like um, how many times when a guy goes to the Hall of Fame, do like if a guy plays a thousand NHL games, all of a sudden he is always all of us in the he's always he's now always going to be in the Hall of Very Good, right? Like a thousand games is the Hall of Very Good, but what is it? It's Brodeur, Watt, and Flurry. Are those the only three that will like likely hit a thousand in their career right now? I think. I think that's I think that's where I track and Flurry's Flurry's going yeah, to last. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Like, yeah. I mean Vasilevsky with his pace, maybe in a long time, but but like so, we don't we don't se- like when a goalie hits 500 games, we should celebrate that more mm-hmm. or 500 starts for, for lack of like we'll use starts right. When a goalie hits 500 starts, we should make a bigger deal about that. But we don't ever see a there was like Braden Holtby got one this past year. Braden Holtby got like a silver stick for starting 500 games mm-hmm. and everything like that. But how often do you see the oh? 500 games goalie celebration. Like we make such a big deal about thousand games for players. 
and we don't give the there's certain goaltender categories that we don't uh, recognize or kind of forget about and everything like that. Yeah, because it's and it's I, I tougher it's tough for goalies to be compilers, right? Like that's yeah. that's something you hear whenever whenever you have the hall discussion in any sport. Like such and such was it was a compiler. Jason Witten was a compiler or whatever is the the first yeah. one that popped and, that popped in my head. And, and the other the other issue with goaltending too is you have guys who you change the barometer. Um, I'll call this the Chris Osgood mm-hmm. factor, right? Like, okay, you say, oh, well, what's going to stop? What's going to be the detractor against Luongo? Oh, he never won cups. Okay, well, Chris Osgood, how, how many cups did Chris Osgood win? He won three. He won three. Two as a, but two as a starter, right? Mm-hmm. If we're going to yeah. go, te- technically yeah. he was the, but two as a starter. But we're going to be like, oh, well, was Chris Osgood good enough? Like, it's, like, it's, 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 it's where for goalies, we decide to use the cups. Is cup. it not cups? Is it, is it individual it, yeah. stats? Like, yeah, it's, it becomes, it becomes overly subjective of the, of, of the, the of, of wins and everything like that. Like, you have to be, like, from this generation of players, like, right, Flurry, like, if, if Flurry didn't get his Vesna two years, uh, two years ago, all of a sudden there's a case where someone might be saying, well, Mark Andre Flurry is, not going to be in the, shouldn't shouldn't be in the hockey hall of fame. He always had one of the most interesting cases, I think, for years. Because you're like, I think he needed, he definitely needed the Vegas kick to to yeah. turn himself into in, into a no brainer. I'm not, I, I don't know about the Vesna, but like those few years, like if you if you to finish second the year that he won the Vesna, I think he he was still in a in a spot where he probably would have gotten it. But you never know because it is it's stacked against. I, so I'm a big hall guy, just generally. I think at this yeah. point, like regardless of the sport that it is. So I if someone's on the borderline like put them in like it's 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 not that big of a deal because that's the precedence that that's been set. It's also a freaking museum. Let's just be let's just call it what it is. It's it's at the end of the day like these are museums. These are the history of the game. These are it's well it's well it's an honor quote unquote. It's we're talking about putting something in a museum like we're not we're not we're not talking about anything that really at the end of the day impacts anyone's lives beyond what you go and see on a website and and what you go see in a plaque right it's a museum it's not it's not like there's money being given out it's not like there's like like it's cool but it's also it's not it's it's not as holier than thou as it should there's be no cost to anybody <laughs> else to to if you're a borderline guy to to make it in. And I think that the hockey hall has in spots been good with that. And yeah, they were, mm-hmm. I mean, the, we just had the women's discussion. That's obviously far overdue and looking like a problem. Yeah. Guys like Herb Carnegie who got in as a builder this year should have been in long, long ago. So, so the contributions, the contributions of people of color and whatever like that, the, that is, yeah. that's being, that's a wrong that's being, that's in the process of being righted. But I think in some ways when you're talking about guys who have actually played the game, like skaters, who who are who have marginal candidates or are marginal candidates or borderline candidates or whatever you want to say i think they've done a pretty good job of letting those guys in like you have that you have the Guy carbonos of the world and joe newendikes and these these guys who you know if you were if you're a real stickler about it or or if the precedent was something else then maybe they wouldn't have gotten in so you have the rule the you have the mindset for the most part is where it should be for skaters <laughs> and it's not there for goaltenders because it is as long as vernon and osgood are out there's major major work to be done in that area i, I think it, and it's the overall temptation to just say especially with osgood 
like, well, you know, anyone could have won behind those those Red Wings teams, but it self feeds, right? Because I assume that's part of the reason why the awards numbers when you go to his hockey reference, you know, aren't aren't where you could argue they should be. And uh, to me, like almost everyone judges goalies in in a big way by what they've done in the playoffs, and that stuff's just never going to get reflected in anything but cups. And so, if it's it, it goes back to Sean's point about the cups, do they matter? Don't they matter? But I think Osgood's career playoff save percentage was like above 915. And and this is, you know, as it starts to turn, but it's still not, it wasn't easy to do a 915, especially in the early days there. I mean, and, and the other thing about Osgood, and then I'll make that point and then we can, one other quick, we can actually, we can actually about talk Osgood. about your work because that's, I, I, <laughs> I think guess, that's yeah. why you're here. Uh, Osgood, how many times did the wings try to, like everyone says like anyone can play behind the wings. Yeah. How many times right. did the wings try to replace Osgood? <laughs> And then they were like, well, we had the guy. Sorry, Curtis Joseph. So like, like how many, how many times did the Winks try to replace Osgood? And it turns out, no, not everyone can play behind him. Yeah. Like, like, come back. It's, it's like, come back from Long Island, buddy. That's fine. We made a mistake. <laughs> yes. We like, it's, there's that. And then the other thing about the Hockey Hall of Fame that I think we do a disservice of, um, is we underuse the builder category mm-hmm. and how we look at like how things change the game. Because we have so such a long list of guys that are not in the builder category that stops us from getting to the minuscule mm-hmm. that should be looked at. Like, for example, like a guy to go to Max's Michigan ties here. So like Marty Turco, I'm not saying he's a Hall of Fame goaltender statistically or whatever, but Marty Turco changed how the position was played completely. Obviously, Hextall and Brodor were handling the kind of the forefathers of puck handling, but every single before Marty Turco, every single goalie um, this is a podcast, not video, so I have to explain this. Um, every single this goalie... Is, this is now an episode goal- of Goalie Corner with Sean Shapiro. <laughs> <laughs> every single goalie before Turco had their had their glove hand facing down when handling the puck. Turco flipped his glove upside down, so basically the pointer finger on the glove was pointing back up towards the blocker on the stick. No one had handled the puck like that ever in the history of hockey before that as a goalie. Marty Turco invented that, changed completely how goalies handle the puck, completely changed the game. The last goalie who didn't handle the puck like that in the NHL was Antti Niemi, who was one of the worst puck handlers I've ever seen in my life. Marty Turco is a builder within the hockey world, but he's such a, it's a minuscule thing that we will never, ever be able to discuss because he changed the position completely, but we'll never be able to discuss it because we have all these, we're still having to get uh, Herb Cardigan in. Like, like, and that, like and that is because, and it's the same issue that we see with inducting yeah. women. It's that we can only do one builder a year. It's insane. Yeah. So if you ver- if you vote for Herb Carnegie, that means you can't vote for Red Berenson, which is which is in which yeah. is complete insanity. So expand yeah. that. Have like if you want to cap it at two or cap it at three or don't cap it at any, because that that is going to be another issue for getting women in the hall of, over the next few years. Cassie Campbell Pascal should be in the Hall of Fame. She was maybe yeah. maybe not there on her own on her merit as a player. But if you consider what she did as a player and also what she's done as an announcer and as a symbol for growing the game, you know, for growing the women's game over the last however many years, it is a no-brainer. She should be in there as a builder. And because of the way the system's set up, she's like fourth or fifth in line. And everything stacks up. We're going to have more of these people to consider year after year. And there's no real mechanism for fixing it. I, I liked Max's idea of like, he used the, I think Max was the one mentioned having an idea of of going and having like, okay, well, let's put, let's, these people are in. Like, what, like, I almost feel like the hall needs like a hard reset of like, 
you know what? Call it, think of a much more um, PC name of other than the We Effed Up year and basically be like, okay, we're inducting 20 builders and we're inducting a dozen women and we're yeah. making it a whole big year thing and we're resetting ourselves so we can actually be proportionate yeah, in, in, in the future. Doesn't baseball have something we, like this? Like they've got like some coalition like that like committee and all that yeah. stuff. But so you could have single, like a every single Hall of Fame has started, including the, including the Hockey Hall of Fame, with like a larger group than average, right? And that's not what happened at the start of things for women, and just created this. It, it the 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 table was set twelve years ago for this for this to happen. So yeah, play play catch up. Like the fact that the fact that it's 2022 when Herb Carnegie is only getting inducted in, into the Hall of Fame now is embarrassing. So find a way to fix all that. Find a way to get all all the pioneers, whether you're talking about people of color, whether you're talking about women, like give them their flowers now, move on from it, and then we can judge players on their own merits as they retire. So we can talk about Hillary Knight whenever she's done or whatever without having this, you know, difficult uh, who 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 gets in over, over whom deal that we're dealing with now. All right, that's enough of that for now, Shapiro. We did not bring you here to talk solely about the Hockey Hall of Fame debate, but here we are, 45 minutes in, or whatever. We do want to talk about your work. You had, a, you had an interesting story that came out, a big story that came out in, in the last couple of days about, about the league uh, having a record revenue year, which is being received interestingly by some people on Twitter. So let's 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 talk about that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you, you learn how much people <laughs> don't. Uh, it's one thing. Oh, they oh they hate reading, don't they, folks? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, you learn you learn also. I mean, a you learn how it's kind of confusing because the le- so much of how the league puts it out sometimes can be so very PR y and everything like that. But I mean. One of the things that's kind of, I think one thing people forget about COVID <laughs> is <laughs> how much money this costs everybody in the, <laughs> how much money this costs everybody and everything like that. So while it's, I think everyone kind of gets lost up in like, oh, record revenues and things like that. And we can, we can talk more about why those happened. But the first thing to establish is the baseline. And this is the most important thing is no, the salary cap is only going to go up like a million a year for the next three to four years because we're talking about players basically owing, before going into this season, players owed a billion dollars in back, in, in back basically uh, in, in, in escrow payments to owners. And the players decided how, and basically the players didn't want to, for anyone, for the quick, quick 30 second synopsis which i'm finally able to do after explaining this to people fifty thousand times it is funny it is funny how that works right whenever you explain stuff like that it's like after after the 10th time you're like all right i got it i got my 30 second explanation of what i wrote so nhl revenue nhl player salaries have to be set before the season therefore you cannot do player salaries based off how much money the league made during the season so player salaries are set before the season that is not actually a player's salary the player's salaries are determined on the league hitting their revenue goals and 50% going to players and 50% going to owners. If the 50, if 50% of revenue does not cover player salaries, the players then owe owners money because of the CBA deal they agreed they, they signed and agreed says they the league did not make enough money to pay their salaries. How do you pay that back? So through something called escrow. Escrow this past season was 17.2%. For simple math, every $100 check 
was really $81.8 instead. Next year, it and is... That's, uh, and that's before, and that's before yes, other tickets. Yes, yes. And, so, and, and players coming out of COVID and everything like that, so players weren't feeling a ridiculous escrow like 30, 40, 50% or whatever to pay this back right away. They kicked it down the can- down the line. Next year, it'll be 10%. So any player making a million dollars is really making 900K. The following three years after that will be 6%. Essentially, players right now put it in place where they didn't want to lose a ton of money from their current checks. But by doing so, it's also a system that means the salary cap cannot go up because players are not owners are not going to raise the cap more than a million dollars a year until they get their billion dollars back. Billionaires want their billion dollars. No. So so that billion, though, it can only be repaid via the escrow. So like the big NFT deal, the, the US TV deals, all that stuff that are big revenue items, those don't make a dent in the billion. It's just with the escrow. They can if it makes a certain amount. But the issue okay. is it's still, it's still not even making that much. Like, I mean, like, yes, we're talking record revenues. Great. 5.2, 5.3 billion this year. But the, the league was making, the league went, I think it was, uh, the league missed out on three, two and three billion each of the prior two years. So we're talking about a big lump that you have to make up anyway. So it can, it can, it can, those, those numbers do go into, the whole pot and make the escrow pot bigger to pay off the old debt. But it's still, we're still not talking about, we're not talking about the NHL TV deal. Good for the sport. It's not an NFL TV deal. It's not an NBA TV deal. <laughs> let's just, let's just be, re, be just be to be realistic about it. Everyone, everyone, when that TV deal was signed, they're like, Oh, the salary cap's going to go up 25 million. Like, no, look how much money the mm-hmm. NBA got. Look how much money baseball gets. Like, it was good compared to a really bad 10-year deal with NBC. Like that's something where like in the history in the annals of history when one of the biggest failures for the league was not signing with NBC. One of the biggest failures for the league was signing a signing ten, for 10 years. Signing t- yes, signing for 10 years with NBC. So the league basically handicapped itself where it missed out on being able to get the incremental rise in in in, in market. I mean, I know some people who even said this ESPN Turner deal the seven-year part of it, some people are even worried that that may be a little bit too long and that maybe a five-year deal would have been much better for the league because mm-hmm. uh, as, 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 uh, as rights and, and values are going to go up. So there's a... Because the, yeah. the 10-year NBC deal, because I was, I was working by that point, that was a bad deal when they signed it. Yes. Like that yeah. was the, the, the dialogue surrounding it, the debate surrounding it. In the moment, this is not a hindsight thing, it was like, yeah. oh, this is this is way this is way too long because even at that point, we were already in the rights bubble. Like yeah. people, people were already aware that that was that that was basically the only thing that that broadcasters were going to pay for was was live sports because of because of streaming. And back then, it was like there was it was like DVR proof proofing sports was was it was a concern on and on. It was a bad deal back then. And it only looked worse and worse and worse when you look at, like, say, the NBA, which has signed three TV deals now since since that initial NHL one was signed. So they were playing catch up for yeah. sure. No, and we can all laugh, like at the, like, we we should all be laughing at not that we that this is a podcast about sports media, but we should all be wondering and looking at, okay, did the MLS just make a mistake by sending signing the ten year deal with Apple? Because 
someone should someone from the MLS should have looked at what happened with the NHL with a ten year deal, and then they just signed a ten year deal with Apple. Where ten year ten year exclusive rights holder uh, didn't work recently with yeah, a, with and so another, it's just like another league. You, yeah. have to, you have to learn from history on that. So I mean, the league is the good news about the NHL and the business of the NHL right now is things are moving in the right direction for the cap to go up. That's the most important thing. That's that's the headline. The cap will go up, and we're not going to be in a spot where some people were worried we were going to see a flat cap. or the. I keep using the word flat cap because going up $1 million a year doesn't really that, – yeah. that doesn't change. To me. Like, mm-hmm. like, I mean, that's – that's a performance bonus for most teams. Honestly, that's typically kind of that's you're like okay, that's only covering maybe right. our performance bonuses next year. Um, so some people were that's worried. A bad, that's a bad RFA. Yeah, it's like yeah. yeah, we need to we need yeah. we need to give this guy a raise. Like we're gonna we're gonna see. So we're st- some people worry we're gonna see a flat cap for five six years. And the good news is with what happened this year and kind of the baseline it sets, we're going to see the cap rise to normal go come back on a normal curve in three to four years. That's the good news. And that's what this sets the base for. How good is this year um, is, is always going to be interesting. Record is always great, but it's also interesting coming back, coming off back-to-back COVID years. I mean, the biggest thing about the NHL and one of the things they keep billing and everything like that, one of their strengths is also one of their weaknesses at the same time, mm-hmm. where <clears throat> the NHL, then they sell this. To, they sell this to ad partners all the time. You get your best return on investment, which means at the same time, you may be spent. If you spend X amount with the NBA, you're not going to get nearly as much. If you spend X amount with the NFL, you're not going to get as much. But that also means you're also not getting the most amount of money per deal. So it's it's kind of one of the strengths and weaknesses of the league. So you lean into it while you can. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> the other thing with the NHL too about. The other strength the NHL has, and it's it's kind of a something no one in the league will ever acknowledge out loud. But like, who has the most dispendable income in the right in the world right now? Rich white people, and mm-hmm. that's where a lot of the sponsorship money is coming from. Like, that's the other thing mm-hmm. too. Like, it's a it's a that's a reality that no one from the league will want to probably admit out loud. But this league benefits from it's a rich sport. So where do rich sponsors put their money? And why do you think so many financial companies? Are investing in the league. It's what we've seen from televised golf for how many years, right? Where there's a lot of, a lot of investment firms, a lot, of, a lot of fidelity advertisements, a lot of luxury, lu- luxury brands, and I think it is that way, you know, with the NHL kind of in miniature. I wanted to ask specifically about the NFT deal because yep. I know that's something you wrote about. Yep, you wrote about last week, and I, I if nothing else, I wanted to ask about the timing of it because yep. I, I know, I know that part of your story was that the NHL deliberately slow played its kind of involvement there uh do you how much of that do you buy <laughs> because it is it is a wild time to get to, to the the timing publicly is is yeah you know on, yeah. on I, I on some level it's unfortunate for 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 the nhl depending on how much you you know b- yeah. how d- depend on where, where you fall morally as far as nfts are concerned yeah it's um i do believe the i i think it's kind of a 50 50 thing on that like like they, when you're talking about talking to fifty, to, there's so many like there's so many weeds to sort through in the NFT space, right? Like mm-hmm. you have to make sure like there's, um, 
you don't want to you don't want to get the you don't want the Enron field of NFT deals, right? Like you don't <laughs> mm-hmm. like you don't want you don't you don't want you don't want to be be in in that spot. And so, um, I think part of it, part of the slow play, I think, is fair. Part of it is sorting through what is what is the best. And they they allegedly spoke to fifty. They said they they said they spoke to fifty to seventy different companies, and and <laughs> taking the time to get it right, I think, is good. But I also think there is there is fair criticism at the same time of there's a difference between taking due diligence and there's a difference between when did you actually start working on this and did you strike while the iron was hot basically. And I think, um, I, I think for the NHL, I think this is one of those things where some teams were definitely frustrated. They couldn't do more early on. Um, but this is also something that falls on the NHLPA and the players itself, because one of the reasons Top Shot got off the ground so quickly was because it was players in the league working together. Okay, right. Um, NHL players and and the higher culture of hockey is also culpable in this too, because NHL players just think of don't ever think about anything but team first, game first, whatever, yada 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 yada. Right. Very few of them. Anyone who does. Anyone who does in the past, I mean, we're still in that spot, and depending on which place you plop down into a market. But like any player that thinks about his brand first or whatever is, uh, oh, that's a he's a me first guy. He doesn't care about the team or whatever. So one of the reasons NFTs didn't really have were difficult with the NHL was the NHLPA wasn't on board, and so you couldn't have like some teams sold NFTs, but like the Devils and the Capitals did and stuff like that. But they could only sell the logo, the Stanley Cup, like. You couldn't do an NFT with a player in it, and vice versa. A player couldn't do an NFT with a team colors in it. Even like there are some NFTs that where some players clearly broke the rule on it, and like if some people wanted to get if there's some like wanted someone wanted to go ambulance chasing on NFT deals, I'm sure there's someone who could do it uh, as far as legal as far as legal implications. But the league and the NHLPA didn't get on this quick enough together. Like <clears throat> take your due diligence, do everything like that, but you needed to have the NHLPA on board earlier as well. So it's partially on the people of the league, but it's also a big it's also on the PA and the league as well for basically having the whole this whole system where we care about we're here to negotiate CBA deals. We don't really do stuff like that. Like it's so it's it's kind of a it's a, it's a, it's a weird space. Um, the other thing with NFTs and the other thing that's going to be kind of I, and I don't know the answer to this. It's just going to be interesting to see where this goes because I don't is to be is going to be how when do they create how do they create the product that actually appeals is there is there even an NFT product product quote unquote since it's not something you can touch uh, that actually appeals to the person who wasn't in this right away because like when it came to NFTs you were either in or out right away. Right. Like that's like I look at people like that. People either thought they were like, oh, this is such a cool thing and they still like them or someone who tried to buy them and thinking they could make money on them. And that left them. And those people are realizing that they were they either gotten early enough or they didn't. But if you say, "Okay, well, I want to make NFTs this big part of the future and this big part of collecting and everything like that, like. Is there, how do you make that fit? Because the digital collectible part of it, to me, is still nothing. Like, I have, 
like the one thing I've heard, and I don't know even if it would translate, but like the one thing I've heard is um, ticket NFTs, right? Because like, so like, for example, like I have, I have on my, I have on my desk, I have like somewhere on my desk here, which is a mess. I have, I have a ticket from the first hockey game that my wife and I went to after we were married. It was a San Antonio Rampage Houston Arrows game in 2012. Okay. Like I have the ticket stub from that. Ticket stubs don't exist anymore. Right now, mm -hmm. someone can take a picture. Someone, someone can take <laughs> a picture at the game and stuff like that. But like, I've heard, how do you try to find some sentimentality? Is that the right word? Whatever. Yeah, uh, that's that's what we're that's yeah, what we're calling it. Now. How, how do you find some of that to bring it to the NFT where you get it at someone at a game? Like, um, like Max and I were at the game in Detroit this year when uh, when Bertuzzi scored four goals. Right? Like, is there a space where the Wings could be like, hey, we're gonna now mint a Bertuzzi four goal game that proves you were here, but we're only going to sell it geolocked within Little Caesars right now. Like those are the things that I think become kind of the space of maybe you get a bigger market, but I say maybe with a heavy question mark afterwards. <laughs> right. You know what would be kind of cool that will never happen? It would be if they could NFTIs or whatever the audio and video from like their like between the benches stuff it would probably have to be like in partnership with the broadcasters or whatever but that would be something that if it never aired it's like back audio video that you can have that isn't actually publicly available and you can just go to youtube and find and you can say oh i have the like this dust up of these two guys arguing or, or chirping each other during a game or, 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 or this, or the sound from the bench when this goal was scored that didn't actually air or something. That would be the kind of thing that I think I would actually be interested in as a, from a collecting standpoint, I don't collect anything. So it's, yeah. I can't really relate, I guess, but to me, that's like the thing that would seem like it would have some actual, Hey, I have this. No one else has this value. Yeah. Is there, is there, is there concern in the league's part? Uh, just with getting involved with NFTs at all, since it's widely used to launder money and steal money from stupid people. Uh, nope, nope. Yeah, just <laughs> figured. No, mm, I mean, yeah. I mean, look at same, look at, look at, look at gambling. Who no, cares? I mean, same, same, they don't care. Same, don't things, care. same <laughs> things happening with. I mean, there's no crypto. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. it's it's funny. They'll they'll go and separate NFTs are not crypto and cryptos are not NFT. But the league is also actively working on a crypto deal right now too. So there is. So it is. There is. It's. I mean, Perfect time for it, baby. They're always they got the finger on the pulse with it's, that one. It, it's it's money. That's what that's 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 yep, what it that's is. That's it. Can't expect the exact morally. Yep. It's just not. That's not. That's not what they do. There's no ethical consumption. Okay. Um. I I did want to like. What's the? Is there like a top line view of how things have gone for the first year in the TNT ESPN deal? I I know yeah. we kind of we kind of picked at that earlier but what's the what's yeah. the overriding vibe there i mean the most important thing about the espn tn10 deal and this has nothing to do with anything that aired on television this year but the most important thing about the espn tnt deal was it was great for the league's valuation like it was by being on espn and tnt by being on networks that are sports bar defaults that are carried more widely than nbcsn was which is now completely gone um it became much more attractive for a car company or a financial company to be like, okay, I'll buy, I'll buy a spot with, but not even just on TV, even like the local in ice, <clears throat> um, in ice advertisement this year. Um, we had the debate when when writing this story of whether it was in ice or on ice, and we decided to go well, with that's, in ice. That's tough. 
Mm, uh, I don't know if I don't know if I would have done that one. But a player is on ice, and if the helmet <laughs> is on the ice, the ad is in the ice. Yes, and the ad is Ooh. in the ice. So, anywho, in ice advertising valuations went up this year just because of the fact where, like, oh hey, your team's in the playoffs. It's going to be on ESPN and TNT. Same thing with the helmet decals, which the helmet decals and the jersey valuation patches that we're going to get next year, they're going to go up. They went up as well because of the whole concept of, okay, you're going to get more eyeballs than you ever would have. So from that alone, it is success off the bat in that way. Now, the very inter- now the, now we get into the actual thing where there's people have lots and lots of opinions. It's an undisputable fact. More people watched hockey this year. That is good for hockey. That is a fact. I'm just going to put that there as in, in all of the people who are, because because like when I tweeted the fact, the other observation the other night, it was great that ABC actually aired the cup celebration, not mm-hmm. in its entirety, but so much longer. And there were some people who are like, oh, their coverage sucks. Like, I don't care about their coverage. The fact they did it is, is what's good. And so more people watching hockey, good. That's, that's, that's baseline is there. The question going forward becomes, can you grow the baseline? Like the viewership and the numbers this year, um, well, well, does hockey actually grow on ESPN and Turner, or is it just this is, or is it just this, this is, is what it is? This is normal ESPN Turner audience, so this is what it's going to be. So that's going to be a key question because the whole the whole question of ESPN and Turner will grow the game. I don't think you can fairly answer that question for three to four years. Like it's, hmm. I think it, it fairly grows the the viewership this year, but that doesn't change the fact that like how many people just turn ESPN on, people just turn Turner on, people see like oh. I'm gonna see whether I'm gonna see is it, is it the Dark Knight or is it the basketball game? Like right, like that's <laughs> that's what Turner is, and so um, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean you're capturing a new hockey fan. It's gonna how it grows over three to four years will be the most interesting thing to me. Um, and then the other key, and now we can talk about this, is the production and the content because I think you look at right now they have the Easy Shield. Both networks have the Easy Shield. Of it was year one, we're working through it. Next year, I think we can be a lot more critical, fairly, of what's happened. Um, like it's just like a, it's like a, it's like a rookie player, right? Like you're like, oh, he's a rookie, he's a rookie. Like the ESPN and Turner and even the NHL were able to use that this year in year one. I think ESP- next year when you have an issue with the broadcast, it'll be much more fair because it won't be like, oh, they're a new broadcaster. Like no, they've done a full season, they've done a Western Conference final, they've done a Stanley Cup final. And by my view, I think off the bat, I think Turner, I think Turner stuck the landing better off the beginning. Um, from and I, I can, I'll, I'll, I'm curious what you guys both think. From my view, my view, Turner stuck the landing better off the beginning for two key reasons: where they decided what they were from day one, and they didn't change. Whether you like it or not, they stuck with who they were, and they actually went with assigned roles. To me, that's the biggest difference between Turner and ESPN. Turner, ESPN's issue, from my perspective, was they didn't they didn't stick with a they didn't stick with assigned roles. They didn't put people in the best place to succeed and keep them there. While Turner just said, "Okay, we're going to work through this. We know what we want," and they stuck with the vision. While ESPN did not do that. I mean, on my end, I think ESPN's. I like that the the A crew with 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 McDonough and Ferraro and. Emily Kaplan, I thought they were, you know, varying degrees of really good to great 
I think through as as a as a product throughout them them individually were to to me. I thought it got a little hinky in the middle whenever Ray moved between the bench and it turns into what do you what do you do with Emily Kaplan? Does she just kind of hang out hang out in the in the in the tunnels? I mean that, I think that was that was an obvious an obvious issue. But also those are three really talented people who are, who are good at their job. So I I look at that and I'm like okay once they continue to iron that out and 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 put them in the right spots you know that in terms of a game call gives them gives them a pretty a, a, like a, a a little bit of an edge but yeah in terms of if you're looking at it on balance not just on game crews or whatever i think the the turner the in, in TNT um intermission pregame postgame just i blew it blew ESPN out of the water just as a as a as a product i i don't and i don't think it was particularly close no, and no surprise. I mean, they, they had the formula already from inside the NBA and, and they executed it, I thought, really well. As well as, the, as, well as they as well as they could have for hockey, for sure. Yeah. And, and Turner also was willing to spend the money. That's the other thing you saw. Mm-hmm. And this is this is this is what you could obviously see in the playoffs. Um when Turner got more games and for when they had more games in the first round and everything like that. Who was calling Turner games? They went and hired team broadcasters. They went and hired people. Lots who, of them. <laughs> but yeah, but they, they went and hired people who knew how to call yeah. hockey. It wasn't someone. Right. It wasn't someone who was ported a, over from another a, sport. A, exactly. who, who was like, yeah. And, yeah. and so, and Turner sent their studio crew to the Western Conference Final. It was pretty obvious to me when, you, like, you look at just who was spending and who was investing in talent and in best success. It was pretty obvious when you go from the Western Conference Final and you see, even though it was only four games, you see Tockett and Gretzky and everyone literally sitting there watching the game in person. Yeah. Then you go to ESPN and the game's in New York and they still have the studio. The studio team is in Connecticut. Like it's to me, there was mm-hmm. a clear divide of how Turner was willing, to, how Turner invested in in certain elements that ESPN. Yeah, they're like, this is our show. These are the people who are on it. We mm-hmm. are spending money on our on our intermission and, and pre and post. Like, these are the guys. Like, yeah. maybe sometimes Gretzky will be there, maybe not. Like, like pe- pe- folks get days off, fine. Yeah. Yeah. But but the core was there. And if you look at, and if you try to apply that same logic to ESPN, it was baffling because Mark Messier disappears for a few weeks and then you have, like, Chelios is there sometimes. Like, there was no, it was clearly, you know... <sighs> It, it's it's about it's about what you value, right? And, it, and it's, it's about what you emphasize. And I think we got a pretty clear course in 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 uh, in that for with TNT versus ESPN. And and you could tell um, that there are certain parts with ESPN that are undisputably good, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I think like as much as, as I do have to give them credit when you talk about the highlight and social reach and stuff like that. Like, yes, the ESPN does deserve credit that Turner could never have because Turner doesn't, as we said, as I said earlier, it goes from the hockey postgame show to the dark night. Like it doesn't like, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not a 24 seven sports network. Um, ESPN is what's going to be is what's when you, when you walk into a, a restaurant at two o'clock on a Thursday, ESPN is what's right. on TV as opposed to uh, and actually in hockey was actually viewed there. So hockey ESPN does deserve credit for that. The other thing with ESPN, I thought the I thought the point was good. Point I thought like by, by I, like by by the end of the show, the the by the end of the season, the the point, you know, the the the, the weekly show with with Butchagras yeah. and Greg Wyshynski and Torts and all them. I, I thought I thought they were yeah, doing a good job. Actually, having a studio show, I think, was huge mm-hmm. because that 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 was a that was a direct answer 
not intentionally, but it was a direct answer to everyone says like, oh, ESPN doesn't care about hockey. If, if they were just buying it just to fill the, if they were only buying it to fill the ESP, to build ESPN plus subscribers for out of market package, they wouldn't have done the point. They wouldn't have put it on. Like, so to me, the point is a definitely a positive, positive thing. Um, I think the league, the league definitely will probably have some conversations with ESPN about trying to get into some of the other shows, like the PTIs of the world, the, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever the Stephen A. Smith show, like, like the, what we were told would happen, what we were told would happen with the residual programming happened with sports center, but it didn't happen Mm -hmm. with, the other ones, it didn't the happen. Debate, like, the debate shows, like, like and, and I know, I, I know, it's going to be an absolutely terrible, scary. So, like, Stephen A. Smith starts talking about hockey. I am scared for what the Twitter reaction will be. I'm, I'm in. I'm, are you I, kidding I, me? I, I'm I, like, I, let's, I, let's go, baby. I, I, Give so, me something to write about. Let's, I, I, let's make it happen. And a lot of people will be telling on themselves <laughs> in certain ways when that happens. Uh-huh. And, um, but it will be one of the best things for the sport. Like, if, like, if, if they can get Stephen A. Smith to get. If you can get Stephen A. Smith to get angry and have an opinion about about where about what Nikita like, so Nikita Kucherov, the end of Game Six, yeah, right? where he yeah, freaks throws, out, throws like that should have mm-hmm. been that should have been a whole like mm-hmm. like if an NBA player in did a that, perfect world, like, yeah, yeah, that like, would like, that would that would be like, a whole segment on yeah that that that's that should be that should have been the huge topic of debate shows like, but it's it's hockey so it didn't it did it that we're not there yet so in the future when when tampa is when 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 tampa is is in the cup final next year again or whatever right <laughs> like if kucherov yeah. is throwing his stick at the end like you want that to be a spot where people are debate shows are like what the hell is this guy doing he's a league mvp mm-hmm. is how does it taint his legacy like i know people don't like that type of conversation but that is the conversation that gets hockey into the further lexicon of this country, mm-hmm. this country, North of the United States. I know Canada, you already talked about it, but like, yeah, we, don't, we, don't, we don't need to, we don't need to talk about them. <laughs> so I, it's, that's, yeah. this is all, I mean, we could, we could talk about this for, I, I, I we, we should just do it again. Like at some point during the off season. Cause I, I could talk, I could talk this up with you all day. And it's, it's where, where yeah. I, what I want to close on though, yep. is like, can you tell ESPN to fix their audio levels, please? Is there, is, <laughs> is, is, is there someone, is, is there someone you can, you can bug about that? <laughs> I think there is a <laughs> yeah they're on okay yeah. Sean Shapiro everybody <laughs> thanks for doing this man yeah thanks for having me guys I, I didn't get enough uh, Paul Maurice and uh, I, I know I was the fill-in for Paul Maurice so does this mean I get to do I also get to do I also get to coach game do I get a preseason game in Florida I'd, I'd love a like, no these like, these were the questions we were going to ask for. Paul oh yeah, Maurice. wait a second. We were, I was I was going to ask Paul Maurice about ESPN audio levels and 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 take <laughs> and take shots at NFTs with him too. Yeah, I've been, I've been fine. I know, I know. It, it all it all went according to plan. Every year, the Panthers and Predators do like that weird like split doubleheader. Like, yeah. If Paul, I will take one game from take, Paul. You take one of those. Yeah, I think Paul should let me have one of those games. I mean, like I said, if if you if you bug someone about the ESPN audio levels, whenever we talk to Paul in a couple of weeks, we'll we'll talk. We'll, it, it's a uh, We'll talk to him about that. I'll, I'll you even, scratch my, you scratch our back. We'll scratch yours. Even I'll even take like associate title for one game. Just let me. I That's don't even fine. have to say anything. Just, Interim video coach, coach Sean Shapiro. <laughs> no video coach is special. Actually, video coaches actually work. They actually have to do stuff. Yeah, that, I don't <laughs> think. I, I, yeah, I don't they're think not. They're not giving you that. the cushy job. No, you got to start I, I want on the, the assistant in the coach room. during the preseason where you don't give it. Where you don't 
care at all about the score. And so you're sending, so you're actually rolling lines no matter what. It's like, oh, here, here's the, here's the kid from who's going back to London in two days. Here, go play, go play, go play bumper on the power play. So. Go out there, buddy. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. This is the only good segment on the show. It's even better this week because we got Max instead of Craig. It is when we go into the comments on our episode from last week where you guys leave us wonderful questions and wonderful remarks and basically do our job for us by spoon-feeding us content for the last 10 minutes of, of the show here. These comments were left, Maxie, on our, on our talk with Brady Kachuk. I don't know. I don't know if you listened to that or not. I'm putting you on the spot. Did you listen to the interview? Not that one, but I listened to a lot of them. Only the good one. Only the good ones. Why do you I'll go why back you, and listen to that? Why one. do you hate Brady Kachuk? That's my question. No, it, it, I don't. I probably just like didn't go hit tennis balls against a brick wall that day or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, he was he was really good. Of course he was. Brady was good. Matthew was good. I'm sure whenever we have Keith and Chantal on on the on the show, they'll be good too. They're like, it's like if we don't have anything to do, just dial up a Kachuk. He was. He was good last week, and these are comments that were left on on the episode page on the Athletic app uh, regarding that one. Josh R. says, if we are giving you guys free content, and you are, does this mean the meetup at Tipsy, at Tipsy McStaggers is paid for by Craig? Max, as, yeah. a, as a Tipsy McStaggers, I don't know, patron? Yeah. That's the way it works. Paid for by Craig or the New York Times company, I think. When I went to Tipsy McStaggers, it was paid for by Craig. So that's precedent. I think that holds up. Free mozzarella sticks, bro. The sliders. It's all about the sliders. sliders? Yeah. Mm. Tipsy McStaggers sliders. I can't Highly believe F. how much mileage you guys oh have God. gotten out of that. <laughs> I, you know what? It kind of made a, it made a, it took a vacation that the references did for a few weeks there. And now they're back. Eileen, she's our Stars fan. What team makes most sense for Ethan Bear if Carolina is really okay with him moving on? And why is it the Dallas Stars? I think I like that. I think I like Ethan Bear to the to the Dallas Stars. Uh, man, we're we're at a point now where defensemen are going to be at a premium. You know, you look at you look at the names that are on the market. Not a lot of not a lot of great ones, especially when you get past you know the Chris Letangs of uh, of the world I think I think he's an interesting candidate I'd like him on the stars I'd like the stars to to, to just get some competent a couple more competent uh you know top 3 pairing guys and I I think I think Ethan Bear qualifies All know? I want for Ethan Bear is to go somewhere that's actually going to play Where him. he's going to play <laughs> Just play We need to figure out whether this guy is good or not like he's one of the, like we've been hearing about it for years. Like I know I know like stats folks love him. So I I default to think I also default to thinking that Nathan Bear is some you know unearth gem here. Give this dude the minutes. I we need to decide for certain or or not whether he's whether he's worth playing every day in a lineup. Like it needs to happen. Cuz that's always what happens with players that are kind of beloved by the analytics community. You know, where it's like, I remember it was Dunn. Like Mark Arquette. Vince Dunn syndrome. Oh my God. Vince, it, it, it's absolutely Vince Dunn syndrome. And it started back with Mark Arcabello, right? Yep. Mark Arcabello was, was 5'8". And he was kind of a skilled, a skilled forward. And everyone was like, you know, Mark Arcabello, like not getting, 
not getting a chance. And then Mark Carcabello finally got enough chances and people are like, all right, we can, we can stop talking about him. Like he's, you know, a legit across the board option. That time has come for Ethan bear. And if he's going to be good, I would love to see it with my beloved Dallas stars. We have a bunch more, uh, God, we have, we have a bunch more, a bunch more awards category, uh, suggestions, which we're going to keep because like I said, you guys are doing our job for us. And at some point in the next couple of weeks, Craig and I are going to have our season ending award show spectacular. Um, and we're down to our Michael D question, which is the one that was specifically for you, right? You guessed the wrong Michael. Week, we thought it was Michael you, K. It was Michael no, D. No, Mike, Michael D posted the question. Michael K posted the response. Um, here's a part of the question that, that, you, that, that we didn't really answer, the Red Wings question. What is your goal, Max, if you're Steve Eiserman? Is it to get to the cap floor with cap dumps and take a run at 2023 or actually use the space? Like, is it one or the other? Are you blending the two? Or do, I'm not you using one all bucket, the space. One or the second? Yeah. I wouldn't use all the space, but I I would not. If I'm them, I'm not trying to get in on the on the tank fest this year. Not because I don't think Connor Bedard's amazing, but just the, the competition is going to be so steep and you need to be ta- trying to take steps forward. And if you're bad, you'll be bad. But you're not going to purposefully get, you know, as bad as some of the teams that are already going to be bad. And so then you're tanking to have like the fifth best odds versus like the 10th. Like, I don't know. Is that really Mm -hmm. worth it? As opposed to making a little progress, letting, letting your guys have some good vibes. I mean, we all know that they can tank as hard as they want and they're still going to end up with the fourth pick in the draft. Yeah. Right. It's just, it's just the way it goes. They're the, they're the, they're the Detroit Red Wings. Perry G clarified something they said uh, last week. I believe the phrasing was the Lou Lamorello award for, like undercover American or, or surprise, su- surprise American. Perry thought he was Canadian, which like I understand because nobody knows all that much about Lou Lamorello other than he went to Providence and has worked in the league for a hundred years and operates in a cone of silence. So we will incorporate that thought into our season ending uh, awards deal. Tyler M. Hear me out Tuesday, boys. Breezies. Tampa isn't the best team of the cap era because they didn't follow the cap. Just kidding. They are the best team of the post-COVID era. So we have, so he's breaking this down. He, Tyler is declaring that the o, that 04 lockout to March 2020 is, is one era. And because we don't know how, it's the cap era. And because we don't know how lost seasons and games and lower levels will affect the next generation of players and the condensed seasons and all that stuff. We're like, we're starting, we're starting fresh in, no, in 2022. I, that's Do the you, wrong Do you buy I listened that? to this one. No, I listened to this episode where you guys had this debate. The cap era is like the three-point era. It's not It's not a discrete era where it's like, you know, 15 years. It's everything after this, the game changed. Uh-huh. And so, no, there is no, I mean, th- there's- We need I guess to you- find, like, what, what Tyler what Tyler's right about is that we do need to find some way to break it up. Be- it, or, or it might just be a discussion by discussion basis. And this is sort of what I said to Craig, because he got all pissy about it. Like, it just so happens, like, that- the Sidney Crosby era lined up with the cap era. Yeah. Like it's, it's, if that's the way you want to frame the discussion, like those are the terms of it, right? Is that you're talking about Sidney Crosby's prime, which also for the time being dovetails directly with the cap era. So there's no easy way to do this. I think you just argue based on the tenets of the, or the, on, on the parameters of, of, of the argument. 
right? That's so what you we're can just say, talking about you need you these. can say these like are stupid, but they're, they're yeah, great. <laughs> you, but okay, like, and you can have two different talks. You can say yeah. like, who is the best team of the cap era so far? Who is the best team of the post? Like whatever, divide them up the way you ever want. Th- the way you want to divide it up. The way Craig set that discussion was like was in the entire cap era, which starts in two thousand five. You guys well, were I, just talking different languages. You were you were talking about franchise. You were talking about what franchise has owned the cap era, and it yeah. is the Penguins. It's either the Penguins or the Blackhawks. Tampa still has a shot to get in there, but team of the cap era, like the team, like the discrete, you know, mm-hmm. couple year window. It's this Lightning group. I take this Lightning group against the others. I think that's I think that's completely fine. But I but that is not the way I understood the parameters of that. No, you were having two different conversations. It was you were having two different conversations for sure all day. You know why? Because Craig's stupid. That's why. <laughs> or he planned it. That's the it. problem. Or he planned it that way. <laughs> oh, wait a second. Craig's evil. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Which do you think he would prefer to be called? Evil or stupid? Uh, well, I don't care. I don't care what he prefers because that guy's both the smart, lovable Craig Custance. I kid. I kid. We got one from Maxi K. He loves the Friday show. He Thank wants you. you more. He wants you more on, on the Tuesday show. I mean, I want you more on the Tuesday show, obviously. Let Max and Sean do all the work and Craig can just quip in with one-liners. Maybe talk more about writing books and let real journalists do the work. Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> Craig's a boss now. He's not boots on the ground. Michael K's got it, got it perfectly, perfectly laid up. Um, these are all th- th- these are all award suggestions, which again, we are we are keeping for we are keeping for the future. Jesse W., do you think that because Austin Matthews plays in Toronto, the American hockey media does not pay him the reverence he would get if he played in the U.S. market? He may go down as the best USA player, but the Tuesday boys, three Zs, do not talk about him because he plays north of the 49th. Guess what? You don't need us to talk about Austin Matthews. He's talked about everywhere else except, I mean, not even except on the show. We, we bring him up when necessary. Okay, but that's a yes. It's not a yes because like because the Canadian media and the hockey media are inextricably linked. And that's why and that's why we do the show in the first place is because the Canadian media sets the parameters and then and then the US media just kind of follows suit, which is understandable. That's the way it should be. We do not need any more discussion about Austin Matthews until he signs with the Arizona Coyotes in a couple <laughs> years. And then he's gonna need some help. And then he's gonna be the star of the show every week, whenever it's me and Max hosting it permanently. Michael D is back. Max, please dedicate five minutes to your best take of all time, namely pepperoni and green onions. <laughs> he means as olives. Est- as he means est- green olives. Yeah. Pepperoni and yeah, yeah, pepperoni and green onions would be weird. <laughs> pepperoni and green olives as an S tier pizza toppings combo. I can't give you five, but I'll I'll just elaborate. It is it's great. It's it's the balance of you get the you need something other than pepperoni texturally, and olives still brings that salt to it. Which is just yeah, you know perfect. what? Because whenever, whenever meeting a bunch of pepperoni, you know what I say? It needs more salt. Yeah, no, I, I get it, but it's it really does. It's really good, <laughs> and it's also especially if you get like the especially if you get like the the boosted crusts or whatever, depending on where you're getting it. Whether it's like a garlic butter crust or a Parmesan Romano crust, I'm big on adding uh, as many of those as possible. Jets will let you what, do them all. Is is Jets okay? We're, yeah, we're, well, we're, it, it we can just be cut Jets. The shit, we're talking yeah, about Jets here. Yeah, let's. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. We're talking about Jets here. Uh, but you can do some of them at other places. But why? If, if Jets is available, you're getting Jets. Who are we kidding? I'm down with olives. The move, if you want some other element on there other than pepperoni, is banana peppers. Thank you. Thank My you, mom's thank you, thank big you. on the banana peppers. Oh, it's good, baby. 
pepperoni and banana peppers if, if you're going if you're going to but it's probably too much vegetable too, too many vegetables for me <laughs> <laughs> half pepperoni half sausage let's go ted c with the blackhawks consider the second pick in this year's draft and alexander holtz plus some roster players for debrinket would the devils consider this deal how about this we'll frame it this way max would you consider that deal if you were the Blackhawks and or the Devils? You get to yeah, for it. the Blackhawks all day. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it if I'm the Devils. I'm giving up Holtz and Slavkovsky and what was the other piece? Plus a roster player. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that if I'm the Devils. I don't I don't think Holtz is going to be Debrinket, but it's not crazy that he could be a 30-goal scoring 60-point winger and Slavkovsky or Cooley for that matter can also be similar. I think Craig gassed up the Brinkett a little bit too much on that last show, honestly. Like, he's a really good player, but it's not like, it's also a no-brainer that Chicago should trade him. And it sucks, and I wish it weren't true. I wish, you know, that just like weren't the state of, you know, team building in 2022, but they have to trade him. They have no choice. Yeah. And and if they could get, (laughs) if they could get number two, which you assume is Slikovsky or I mean, if you want to take Logan Cooley in your Chicago, like maybe give that a try. And Holtz and a roster player. The Devils don't. <laughs> would the Devils consider this deal? I don't. I think don't think so. so. I, I don't because, even know because you know what? If if they want to spend money, if they want to go out and get a guy like say in his mid to late twenties, they can just do it on the free agency market, baby. Throw a yeah. bunch of money at. John Gaudreau, bring him to North Jersey. Yes, if they want a guy like that, they don't need to. Absolutely. They don't need to send assets out. Just go, go sign somebody. And if you're itching to trade that number two pick, which I, I just don't really get why they're doing it that way. How to make a Godfather offer for Matthew Kachuk? That's the one. That's the one that you're making the crazy offer for, right? That's the guy who I don't think I, I still don't think I'll go up Holtz and Slavkovsky, but I'd think about it. Do now if you're Matthew Kachuk. Do you want to go play for the New Jersey Devils? Uh, well, that's that's, that's, that's the Kachuk that, thing. They, they're just going to go where they want. <laughs> they're they're going to end up wherever they want, no matter what. Brady's staying in Ottawa now, so that's good. I think I I wish you could give Tom Fitzgerald like sodium pentothal and make him tell the truth. It, it, like, is he upset that he has the second pick and not the seventh? Because when when it looked like they yeah. weren't going to basically win the lottery. Well, then he should trade back. He can trade back. He was but like, dude, you remember before the lottery, yeah. he was like, he was like, oh, yeah, we're definitely trading this. It's, <laughs> it's a lot easier to say that. It's a lot easier to say that when you have pick seven versus pick two. Now, he, now he's stuck. Either has to either has to make the pick or to trade it, trade it for someone gigantic. Sean B. closes things up. He says, I think it's time to recognize the Corey Perry Cup curse. It's mm. true. He's now lost three consecutive finals with three different teams. All I'm going to say is that I'm happy Corey Perry got a cup early in his career because if he didn't, this would be one of the most horrendous examples of like, of like not cup chasing, but just horrendous luck for a guy who, who wants to add that kind of valedictory to, to the end of his career. It would be tragic, but he's got... He's got one in the coffers already, and he's got the MVP and all that. Pretty good career for Corey Perry. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to worry about it. But it is, buddy. It is wild. Three in es- a row, especially as one of those kind of Hall of Very Good. I don't think he's Hall of Fame, but he's a Hall of Famer. You think so? Yeah. Put him all on. right. I don't Big care. Hall. All right. I'm fine with it. Hey, he won a heart. Yeah. What am I talking about? He won a heart. He was he was a really good player for for a long long time. 
50 goal scorer cup yeah, team. Yeah, you're right. I'm was, a, the best, I'm, was the best player on a, on a cup team. I mean, he's going to end up, he's a, he's a compiler. He's, he's going to, he's probably not done yet. By the time it's all said and done, his numbers are going to be, you know, overall, they're going to be really impressive. He's, but it would have been, he's a no brainer. It would have been a brutal spot to be, have his resume with no cup and then going into mm-hmm. that versus right now. It would be a, as we're talking about the Hall of Fame, this would be a guy who's in danger without, without, I think, without a cup, but maybe it's, maybe not. it's crazy, man. It's, that just shows you how, how arbitrary this stuff is. You know, if there's, if <clears throat> 60 minutes of hockey goes, differently all those years ago with the ducks like we're thinking completely completely differently about Corey Corey perry's career unfair we live in an unfair world but, but the curse is real he's right i mean it's kind of the i mean marion hosa would have been the if had he not got it done in chicago would have been he's been in that yeah, situation that's it. Sure. yeah that's it and, and that was gosh that was that's one of those weird storylines that i think people forget about is how is how crazy that was Hosa getting traded and to Pittsburgh and then changing teams, and then changing teams again. Wild. It worked I can't out for imagine. Him, we, we love we love Marion Hosa on this show. We always we always both ends of that. Being on yep. both ends of that is crazy. Oh brother. Well, it's time to I don't know. It's time it, it's it's time to get out of here. We we don't have to worry about Corey Perry anymore. Like this is about the Colorado Avalanche. We we need to we need to celebrate them. I'm so I'm, I'm sorry if we're not giving them enough dap on this show. He's I, going I to like the Avs next year. Like now that, now that you said that, that's it. That's it. We figured it out. Break the Corey Perry curse and go to the Avs. You're going to win four of the next six cups or whatever it is. Best team of the Cap era. <laughs> Best team of the Sydney Crosby area. Uh-oh. <laughs> Maxie, thanks for being here, buddy. I had a lot more fun today than I typically do. Good. I'm glad to hear that. I, I like to think I'm neither evil nor stupid. <laughs> but <laughs> more stupid some, than evil. Un- <laughs> unlike some people who are both. <laughs> Tomorrow... We're still rolling. Like I, I think people are forgetting. It's easy to lose track of how quickly we get into off-season mode here. Like it's time to it's time to start thinking about this stuff. So we're still doing shows. We got the roundtable coming back tomorrow. It's Pizzo. It's Sivian. It's Jesse Granger. Uh, their guest, Kyle Bukowskis, Canadian, Canadian Tom Charles Brady, Barkley, or Canadian Tom Brady, Canadian, yeah. Canadian, <laughs> Canadian Charles Barkley. <laughs> they need to do forty-five minutes with Kyle. Just all, all about all about Barkley. So listen to them. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Uh, if you leave a five-star review, you can say whatever you want about us, including really nasty stuff, and I'll, I'll read it. I forgot to check this week, but we'll bring it back next week. And subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus and Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. You get a 30-day 30 30 day free trial, and it's just 99 cents a month after that. Also right now, you get an annual subscription to The Athletic. Max, can you believe this? It's just a dollar a month for six months? Since when? That seems new. <laughs> to get that, you go to theathletic.com slash hockey show. You can sign up and get all our get all our BS for, for one buck a month. Not bad. Next week, we're preempted. There will be no Tuesday Boy show, but there will be a Tuesday show with some boys. Maybe some not boys. We will return the day before free agency. Uh, with Pierre Lebrun and Paul Maurice. We talked about that earlier, head coach of the Florida Panthers. So Craig and I will talk to you then and keep listening to the rest of the week, even though their shows aren't as good as ours. Everybody have a nice day. Bye, Maxie. See ya.